Hello, listeners. Producer Andrew here with a quick note on today's episode. Uh, due to the vagaries of remote recording, uh, this episode has a slight echo on one track of audio and did the best I could. But our brains are wonderful things, and by just a few minutes in, I don't think you'll be noticing anything at all. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Good luck. So you guys can take it away, and an hour from now, we'll have a podcast. No. An hour and Saturday from now, but... (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Joseph Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. Today, we are talking about Samuel Sammy Harris Burhane Jr. from the 2010 novel Scion Beta, the first novel in the Scion series, which was written by Jacob Gowans. And today, we have a special guest joining us for the discussion, Jacob Gowans. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Welcome, Jacob. I believe you are the second creator that we've had on the podcast. We've had several other oh, guests for commentary, that's... but you're the second creator we've had. That's great. Thank you. Ah. All right. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audio book download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash protagonist. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or if you're old school, your MP3 player. So I used to have the best MP3 player. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to throw that out. I was training for a marathon, and I rem- when I got an, M- an MP3 player, my first one, I thought... I had reached the apex. <laughs> it was never going to get better. Nothing. Technology would, could never have gotten better than that MP3 player. I never even owned one. I, <laughs> I, I, I never had an iPod, and I always just look at those people with the iPods and think, wow, they are so cool, and I am so lame because I never had well, one. Well, we were, and we were cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. Yes. <laughs> I remember someone at work in grad school showing off their new iPod mini. Just like wow, this is this is where we're going. Those tiny little squares. Mm-hmm. Turns out we went the other direction. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, Jacob, do you want to introduce yourself real quick for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been writing for uh, about ten years. I started writing after taking a storytelling class at Brigham Young University. Um, I just uh, really enjoyed telling stories, and I thought, you know what, I, I really enjoy making my own stories, and so that kind of led into novel writing which I did through um, my last few years at BYU and then also into dental school. I kept writing, and my goal was to be published before I graduated from dental school. So I uh, just kept at it. And so since then, I've self-published. I've been traditionally published, and I'm currently working on a new project that will hopefully find a home somewhere. <laughs> I'm also a full-time dentist. I work in El Paso. I fly down there every other week for work. Um, I have a wife and five kids and no dog. <laughs> wow. Wow. You fly to El Paso to work. I fly to El Paso every other week, yeah. Wow. Yep. Do you write on your flights? I do. Yeah, I do. Usually, unless there's like some old lady talking to me while she's knitting and I just can't shake her, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which happens more often than you'd think. I feel like uh, like when I, when I go to a haircut, I always like the ones who don't even try to engage in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> just cut the hair. Just, I don't want the small talk. Cut my hair. <laughs> I like your your phrase of trying to shake them when they want to have the conversation. I don't want to be rude, so I give some feedback, yeah. but I try and keep it minimal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, Scion Beta is the first of five books in the Scion series, and just a little bit of trivia I found as I was poking around about this. Originally, Sammy, who is the main character we're talking about, he was not the main character of the book. 
That's right. So yep. uh, just the evolution of stories as you write them down, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, originally, it was about this way. It was, originally, I had this X Men kind of idea where everyone had a unique power and they were kind of like a an X Men type team. And then I thought, you know what? That's been done for fifty years. Uh, I wanted to try giving everyone the same power and seeing how that would play. Huh. Well, I quite enjoyed the work, Todd. Uh, well, I guess Todd, you came to the work because I said, "Hey, why don't we do this Scion Beta book?" Yes. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I started it on uh, Saturday, and it was really good. I mean, I, I always at the beginning of work, I'm like, ah, we'll see how this goes. And, and I felt like that for just a little bit. And then I was, I was totally hooked and like up late at night, you know, reading, like, I don't want to put this down. I want to find out what happens next kind of reading. It was really good. Oh, I'm glad. I, I had a similar experience. I actually had this recommended to me several years ago when I was in grad school, but I didn't get around to reading it until for this podcast. I was like, you know, I wonder if we could get that Jacob Gowans guy, I remember hearing about him and, and, uh, and I said, well, if you're going to have him on, I need to read the book. <laughs> so I read it it's a novel and idea. I had a similar experience where it's like, Oh, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's like, how long is this next chapter? Could I power through this before I'm too tired? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome. I would like, uh, I would like for you to give us a spoiler free synopsis. Oh, with me? No, Joseph, sorry. <laughs> oh, I forgot I'm good. talking okay. to three of us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listeners, uh, just so you get a little sense of this, in Simon Beta, the main character is Sammy, who's a black South African teenager who discovers that he has superpowers and is then taken into a secret government program. Think Ender's Game mixed with the X-Men's superpowers, a dash of Harry Potter's magical school setting, and a classic young adult setting of the dystopian future. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking as I was reading this. <laughs> And so did you, did you, how, how powerful do you think that dystopian element was? Cause when people talk about dystopian, I don't, I don't feel like that the Scion book is a true dystopian, but I think it has some elements of that. I felt like what it, I think? felt like it started dystopian. Like, I mean, it, as it started, uh-huh. it, it had certainly that flavor of it. Um, uh-huh. but somewhere, somewhere along the reading, you realize it's not exactly, yeah. it's not exactly that. No, I this government, this okay. government is more complicated than, um, what Pan Am or, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Brave New Worlds. Offering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I right. think maybe because it starts uh, with Sammy on the streets uh, and mm-hmm. being hunted by you know government police. Uh, you, right, it right. definitely has a vibe that's very familiar to anyone who reads young adult fiction these days. Uh, yeah, and it's I mean it's set in the future. World governments are completely different. There's now you know two large governments, so y- you feel some of that. But I uh, like Todd. I think that element definitely went away once he was in the program. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering what you thought, what your take yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, I just, to kind of expand on that, on that. Jo- so Joseph in this, in this, uh, quick synopsis, you say Ender's game, X-Men, Harry Potter, <laughs> and something of this dystopian future. And I, 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 th- so this is the first novel that you wrote. Yep. My first novel. Yeah. So as I'm, as I'm reading along, there are moments where I'm like, okay, I can see, I can see him, you know, leaning on tropes from other stuff and mm-hmm. thinking, is this going to, is this just going to be Ender's Game again? Cause I've already read Ender's Game. It's a really good book and I don't need right, to read right. Ender's Game again. And I felt like, you know, as a, as a young writer or a new writer, um, I think it's totally legit to borrow stuff like that, but you take right. it in really interesting directions and it turns out to be not Ender's Game at all. And it's not Harry Potter at all. And it's not the X-Men at all. 
And yeah. so I was really pleased in the way that uh, even even though you you've hooked into some of these things, there's uh, there's plenty of original material here that it doesn't feel like a ripoff. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you feel that way because I have I mean some of my most negative reviews are it's a blatant Ender's Game ripoff and and I I would be the first person to say that Ender's Game was uh definitely the 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 prime source of inspiration for the story, especially certain elements in the training program, but I definitely also feel like it stands on its own as far as its story and its character development. Oh, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad you Yeah, that, right? I was going to say like when he gets first gets introduced to the school and they mention like, and then there's the game and everyone's like, Ooh, the game. I was like, Oh, is this yeah. going to, but it, that actually becomes like, it's never the major plot point to do the game. Right. Whereas for Ender's right. game, that is like everything right. is, is all about that. And yeah, the game's kind of interesting and, and you see like one, uh, flash of it, but most of the time you just say, and then they play it on Saturday. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. All right, so if this book sounds interesting, you could take advantage of a great deal from Amazon and go to protagonistpodcast.com slash deals, or you can make a purchase of this book through protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. Uh, and if you do either of those uh, through the deals, you could get uh, Amazon Kindle account, uh, the, the Prime one, and I think that this book comes free at the moment through that. And uh, you can order it through protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. If you do either of those, it supports our podcast a little bit, helps us to keep the lights on. Do it. <laughs> All right, Todd. Do uh, you have a... My, uh... Uh, I do, but I just lost it. Oh, I got it back. Okay, <laughs> okay. here we go. So, listeners, if you're going to go read the book before you listen, now's the moment to pause. We'll still be here when you get back. Okay, here we go. If I miss anything that's, like, super critical, uh, let me know. But I think I'm, I think I've, I'm going to hit the high points here. Okay. Uh, the novel begins with a kid named Sammy playing a kind of make-believe war game with his homeless fugitive friends in an abandoned grocery store. Uh, Sammy has climbed into the ceiling and is picking off boys with a blowgun, but a tile breaks and he falls. Just before he hits the ground, however, something happens and his fall is mysteriously broken in midair and he lands kind of softly. Uh, I guess semi-softly. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't die and he's shocked. Uh, then some police uh, called shocks show up and they chase Sammy and his friend whose name is Feet. And they corner the two boys, and they fire on them with something like a teaser. Uh, but again, some mysterious thing happens, and Sammy and Feet escape uninjured. When they catch their breath, Feet tells Sammy that it was as if Sammy had used some kind of force to deflect the shots from the shockers. Uh, the two boys run into a cathedral for refuge. There they meet a guy called Amos, and then they fall asleep on a bench, and they wake up when some super cops called the Elite show up. There's more chasing. Sammy runs away. While Feet remains asleep, the Elite are only interested in him. Uh, they corner him. He's shocked and knocked out and captured. When he wakes up, there's a guy named Commander Byron uh, who tells him that Sammy has anomalies that give him sort of genetic anomalies that give him special abilities. And that the government uh, wants to hire him. Or he can go to prison for resisting arrest and stealing and breaking out of juvie and spend the rest of his life in jail. So Sammy decides to take the job. Uh, then he's led to a room where he meets other recruits, including a really, really, really pretty girl named Jeffy. <laughs> All of these people have the same genetic abnormality or anomaly as uh, Sammy that's uh, called Anomaly 14. Uh, they're called Scions, and because they are in training, they're called Scion Betas. Uh, when they complete their training years later, they will be Scion Alphas, elite secret commando troops tasked with fighting a silent war. Uh, I should now give a quick history lesson. Uh, this is uh, a fairly near future on, uh, I guess we can assume is Earth, 
Uh, years mm-hmm. earlier, there has been a scourge that wiped out nearly half of Earth's population. The New World Government, NWG, it kind of rises out of the rubble. And then the Americans, those crazy Americans, uh, they split from that group and they form a government called the CAG. And I can't remember what CAG stands for right now. Central American government? Yeah. Is that? Con- Continental, Continental American, American government. Thank you. Uh, now there is a war between scions from the NWG who generally have what is called Anomaly 14 and a group call, uh, from the CAG called Anom- Anomaly 13s or just uh, 13s. These are bloodthirsty, uninhibited zombie monsters that can move super fast and feel no pain or remorse. Uh, Sammy and his new team of recruits take an oath of allegiance to the NWG. So genetic anomaly, so I'm just, I just want to be clear here. Genetic anomaly 13 creates crazy, psychopathic, murdering, acrobatic zombies. And <laughs> anomaly 14, anomaly 14 creates something really close to what I would think of as an airbender. See, I was going to say it's like, um, Iron Man's repulsors, but from your hands. Yeah, hands and feet. yeah. Both hands of those are good. Act- both yeah. of those are pretty good descriptions. So you shoot blasts of air. So Sammy and his classmates can create bursts of air from their hands and feet. And this uh, this trait shows up in the early teen years. Um, their is it training- air or is it an energy kind of? Yeah, I, I I called it a kinetic, like a blast of kinetic okay, energy. Okay. Very gambit of you. Yeah. Well, Okay. Uh, and their initial training consists of learning to harness this ability for combat and defense. So, continuing with the story. Uh, Byron gives them a tour of the Scion Beta headquarters. There are classrooms, a cafeteria, a large interior space called the arena. Uh, the boys and girls have dormitories on different levels. Byron prohibits them from any sexual contact. Uh, Sammy <laughs> shares a room with a kid named Brickert from Ireland. He is 12 and the youngest Scion Beta ever. Sammy and most of the people in his cohort are 14. Uh, then a kid named Al shows up. He's older and he's very nice. And they all get together with the other betas and they play this racing video game that's kind of like glorified Mario Kart. Um, mm-hmm. and Sammy, yeah. it turns out, even though he's never played this game, he's a total natural. He, he beats everybody three games in a row. And he even beats Kobe, who is the best player and a total jerk. Uh, later, uh, while Sammy's in the shower, Kobe steals his hoodie. Sammy blows up at him. In a flashback, we learned that the hoodie is really important to him because his father bought it for him when Sammy beat him at chess. Uh, Sammy is really good at chess. In fact, he's really good at pretty much everything except girls. Uh, the next day, Sammy goes to breakfast. Jeffy, this cute girl, tells him she thinks he lied about not having played the racing game before. They argue a little bit. He's mad. Then he goes... Uh, into part of his learning. So the, instead of being in like traditional classrooms, they're in these individual learning sessions. Like holodeck, right? That, like a holodeck, yeah. yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, it's called simulation. Uh, Sammy's a prodigy at everything. He rapidly advances through the levels of training, but he doesn't want to tell anyone how well he is doing uh, because all of his training's done in private. He doesn't want any uh, undue attention on himself. He continues to have a major, major crush on Jeffy, but she is interested, of course, in Kobe, the jerk who stole Sammy's hoodie, uh, which only infuriates Sammy even more. As time goes by, Sammy finishes his initial training and starts to compete against the older betas. There's this really great FERPA-safe ranking system that allows for betas to know where they stand in the rankings, but not who is above or below them. So they don't know names of anybody. They just know where they stand. Um... And uh, to say that Sammy rises quickly through these rankings would be a gross understatement. But, <laughs> but because he wants to avoid attention, he keeps telling bigger and bigger lies when people ask him where he is in his training. Uh, these aren't the only lies Sammy has told. He's also kept basically his entire life secret from everyone because of some previous trauma 
and his ensuing life of crime. We could say that while Sammy is very good at being a scion, he is not doing well in the teamwork or trust categories. This is all compounded by his ongoing rivalry with Kobe. In the school, the students play in weekly games. Their commanders divide them into teams, uh, and they have to use their combat skills and strategy to defeat each other. Sammy is not initially given much responsibility during the games. Uh, he's really smart. He feels totally underutilized. And on one occasion, his discontent leads him to deliberately disobey orders, uh, which leads to his team's defeat and Sammy's humiliation. Hope returns when he is able to offer some aid to Jeffy after she breaks her ankle playing basketball. They actually share some kind words, but then everything crashes down when Kobe finds out that Sammy has reached the top of the leaderboards in nearly every category. He announces it to everyone, and they all realize that Sammy has been lying to them. These are people someday Sammy will have to trust uh, with his life, and they don't look kindly on betrayal and deception. Uh, now the relationship between Jeffy and Kobe really heats up. They start holding hands. <laughs> Sammy. <laughs> I think there might even be some interdigitating, although although that may have just come have come from my from my own imagination. Are you forbidden by Byron? <laughs> I don't know if Byron uh, <laughs> included interdigitating in in his list of uh, prohibited actions, but it seems like there's a chance that that might be happening here. Uh, Sammy gets back at Kobe for ratting out his place on the leaderboards and for dating the girl he has a crush on by knocking him out of several games in which they're actually on the same team. So they're on the same team, and Sammy's knocking him out of the game. Uh, then one day, Sammy gets a message from Jeffy saying she wants to meet him in a sim room. When he gets there, he's surprised to find a video that Kobe has made of him and Jeffy kissing. Him meaning Kobe. Kobe and Jeffy kissing. This sends Sammy over the edge. He storms into the lunchroom and pummels Kobe uh, while Jeffy watches. Uh, <laughs> Sammy and Kobe get thrown into solitary. Then Byron comes and shares some personal stuff with Sammy. He also tells Sammy that he has not one but two anomalies. Or reminds him, I guess he told him earlier, but Sammy apparently forgot. Uh, Anomaly 14 gives him the ability to do these blasts, but Anomaly 11 is what gives him his exceptional mind. Uh, he learns at superhuman rate. He's able to see patterns and plan strategies much faster than any other humans, uh, which is why he's so good at everything. Uh, Byron reminds Sammy that the most important thing is the war, not these personal vendettas. Uh, then Sammy gets a visit from his old friend, Feet, who tells Sammy to trust his team. Sammy decides to soften up by uh, Jeffy by letting her win some racing games without her knowing that he's letting her win. Um, Classic strategy. And it works. Classic. <laughs> sort of. Uh, soon uh, the games begin again, and now Sammy is a honcho. He's a, a team leader, and Jeffy's on his team. They lose the first games, but then Al gives uh, Sammy a pep talk, and Sammy decides to trust the people around him, and they win. And that night, Jeffy apologizes to Sammy, and he does the same. And now, Sammy and Jeffy are best friends. But he won't tell her that he likes her. He Not that he likes her, <laughs> that he like-likes her. <laughs> uh, and he's not sure he, where she stands. He doesn't, he doesn't just like her. He like-likes her. But he's not sure how she feels, and he doesn't want to ruin anything. Uh, they become inseparable. They stay up very late just talking. Uh, then Sammy begins a new period of training in which he has to this. fight. They're inseparable and they're late talking, but Sammy is always wondering, does she like me? I know. <laughs> if only there was a sign. If only, if only, there were, okay. if there, only there were an anomaly to help him be good at this. All right. <laughs> hang on. Hang on a second. Mr. Andrew has a comment really here. Str- now, I'm younger than you. <laughs> I think this is exactly what it was like 10 years oh, ago no, for no, me. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we've all been there. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so now Sammy begins a new period of training in which he's fighting against holographic versions of the real enemies that he's going to face. Um, the Aegis are these uh, humans that are trained to fight by the 13s, uh, who are the crazy zombie humans. 
Uh, and then once he can beat all the Aegis, then he starts fighting against 13s. They're tougher than anything he's ever done. First he learns how to beat one, then two, then three, and he's been told that no one's ever beaten four 13s at a time. He loses over and over and over and over and over and over and over in battle after battle. <laughs> he gets totally obsessed. He stops spending time with his friends. He even stops spending time with Jeffy uh, because he wants to do this impossible thing. Uh, then one night, uh, Sammy confesses to Jeffy that he's having nightmares. She questions him. He finally comes clean and tells her about his past. His mother was really great. But then she got addicted to prescription drugs. And then one night, um, when Sammy was out of the house, someone walks in their house and kills Sammy's parents. And after a, kind of a failed attempt in the foster system, Sammy just leaves and leaves on the, on the streets on his own. Uh, one day, while they're trying to defeat four thirteens, while he's trying to defeat four thirteens, Sammy remembers something his father taught him playing chess. Stop believing you can never beat me and start learning how you can. And with his new paradigm, he quickly beats the four thirteens and then beats five for good measures. Uh, <laughs> soon, Al, who is this older, nicer beta, uh, he's ready for the final stage of his training in which he has to lead a group of betas on a real mission. Because he knows Sammy has defeated 413s, he calls Sammy to the team. Then he asks Sammy to train him to beat 413s. Uh, Jeffy isn't too happy about Sammy being called to the team, but she doesn't really want to talk about it. Sammy spends the next, next month training uh, for his mission. It's a covert and very safe operation, they are assured, in which they have to plant some cameras in an abandoned factory in Rio. Uh, Jeffy eventually warms back up to Sammy. He makes some kind of peace with Kobe, and Sammy's friends throw a surprise birthday party for him. The next day is the, the day of the mission. Sammy wakes up early. Before he leaves, Jeffy stops him in the hall and gives him a hug and a kiss on the cheek, and she tells him <laughs> that this is the first half. I love this. This is the first half of his birthday gift. Uh, he gets the second half when he gets home. Which Sammy, is going to be a kiss on the lips. <laughs> Less you were uh, assuming more. Sammy is very, very excited to get home. He really wants to get back home for this kiss. <laughs> he wants to get home. Uh, the team flies oh, to man. Rio, and at first it looks like the mission is going well, but then everything falls... To say, I guess, again, to say that everything falls apart would be a huge understatement. <laughs> um, two of the team members are attacked by 13s, and then Sammy and Kobe are caught in this fight uh, against more than a dozen 13s. They fight like crazy madmen, uh, and eventually, eventually, the rest of the team reaches them. Uh, Sammy saves Kobe's life, but falls down a huge hole, and he's covered with rubble. And Al and his team have to leave because the building is going to blow up. And so Sammy's lost his communicator and the part of his suit that sends his vital uh, signs to the team leader because it was ripped off in a fight. And so with no way to communicate with the team and no vital signs from his suit, Al is forced to leave Sammy behind in Rio. Assuming that Sammy's dead. They... All by himself. Yeah. He, so Al says, I guess Sammy's dead. And they all get in their little plane and they fly off. And Sammy's left all by himself in Rio. <laughs> Uh, he wakes up in this kind of bunker that he's fallen into. He finds some food and water. Then he finds a way out. Then he finds a control room uh, where he sees some footage from the building and realizes that one of his own Scion commanders has betrayed the team. And he makes a decision to somehow get back to headquarters, which is in Iceland, on his own. <laughs> the end. I'm clapping in my mind for you. That was really well done. That's a good cliffhanger ending. I'm I'm engaged. I want yeah. I want to know. <laughs> That's what happens when you watch too much Lost while you write a book. It's like, man, cliffhangers are a really good idea. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, this felt to me like uh, like an Empire Strikes Back more than a New Hope. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Where... I did not see the end coming at all. I mean, and I, granted, I am not very good at seeing the end of anything coming. But I thought for sure 
that he was going to get home. And when he didn't, I was like, I have no idea what happens next. <laughs> You're like, bleep you, Jacob Collins. No, 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 it was really cool because, I mean, as I said earlier, there's so many, especially early in this book, there are so many beats that come from other stories that you kind yeah. of get lulled into this, like, well, I know how Ender's Game ends. Like, he's going to destroy them all in one second with a click, click of his fingers or, you know, something. There's going to be a, a queen uh, bee and the whole hive will die. Yeah. <laughs> <After>. Anyway, <laughs> I just, I didn't see this coming at all. I, I mean, I saw, glad, I, I'll yeah. tell you, I did see the whole mission falling apart kind of thing and having a big <laughs> yeah, fight. Yeah. I did not I, see how badly that mission was going to go. I assumed somewhat badly. <laughs> but, yeah. I, right. I wasn't expecting, you know, two against 16 and it was, it was really, I, I, the end of this was, Really good. I mean, I, I was really, I was totally surprised. And now I'm like, oh, I've got to read the next one because I need to, I need him to get back and get that kiss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we'll see what I, happens. I did have, I had a, a specific question. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Interdigitating. Was that the text in the book or is that just Todd? <laughs> That's just Todd. <laughs> That's me. D- that don't you know really that term, interdigitating? And, well, I can thoroughly you know, you, understand you what you know that, what that is. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, it's a self-explanatory term. I was just wondering if the kids were calling it well, that in well, the book. No, well, Todd and I were really cool in high school. And <laughs> That's a Mountain View High School class of 2000 term. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to shout out to all my Mountain View uh, class of 2000 Bruins out there. They all know what in, they all know what interdigitating is. Especially the cross country team on the long yeah. bus trips. <laughs> oh, the deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, you had mentioned uh, Lost, Jacob. Uh, yeah. that, that makes you think cliffhangers are awesome, which Lost is awesome, and I understand that. Uh, but I, there were a couple of references to pop culture things. So you mentioned Drive Shaft, which is kind of a hidden Lost reference. <laughs> Very subtle, yeah. or at least I think it's pretty yes, subtle. Yes, yeah. Uh, where I think uh, Sammy had either a poster or a t-shirt that said Drive Shaft, which is the band of one of the characters on Lost. <laughs> so, right, right. And then you specifically mentioned X-Men at one point, which I was definitely feeling that. So uh, I just, I mean, we've thrown out a few others, but were there any like other specific kind of story modes that you were trying to channel as you were writing this? I think I mentioned Rocky in there. Yes. Uh, Rocky four. Yes. And that was just kind of a, you know, honestly, like when I, when I put that in there, it was just kind of a joke because America was the bad guy. And then like some of the people who read that kind of latched on and like, like this, like this author is so anti-American that even like Rocky four is like booed by the, by the protagonist in the story. So it's amazing, like, how you mess with Rocky IV, you mess with America, maybe. That's right. you know so I, mean? I happen to know from some of my pop culture studies that I've done that um, during the Cold War, on the other side of the Iron Curtain, Rocky IV was referred to as warnography. It was so offensive <laughs> that it was comparable <laughs> to pornography. Wow. Yeah. I think, I don't know if I left it in, but it seems like there was a, a like, kind of a nod to Harry Potter in the book somewhere, where, like, Sammy says... He's referring to Jeffy, and he says, "She who must not be named." Was that still? Was that in there? Or maybe I cut. Mm, that. I don't remember I think that. It might have been cut. So I, must have, I, I must have cut. I'm that usually then. pretty okay. adept at catching the Harry Potter references. While we're while we're yeah. doing this, I I did um I did in an earlier cut of the of the s- s- summary, um I did uh-huh. refer to Kobe as Draco Malfoy one time. But <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> but he, but yeah, he's not. Like, and that's what, I, no. that's what I love about this is that there's all this setup that makes me think that this is all going to go in one direction. And then it's not like Kobe is not Draco Malfoy. Right. He's Kobe. He can change. Yeah. 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 
And I don't think it's any criticism to say that you can see some of the building blocks there. I mean, every story that we've talked about on this podcast, and we've done almost 60 of them, you can say, well, it's kind of like this earlier story. (laughs) Right, right. um, But uh, there's um, one thing that you did that I really enjoyed uh, was Uh that Sammy's past kind of got unfolded for us slowly. Uh Uh-huh. Right, yeah. And so you, when we open up and he's a homeless kid that's stealing food and has a gang of ragtag misfits with him, like, you kind of think, all right, I, you know, we know who that character is. And then he gets right. taken to the government base and it's like, oh, this is going to be the classic, he's the fish out of water, we're going to be revealed all this. But then we also end up, as readers, kind of realizing that we don't know Sammy as well as we, mm-hmm. we thought we did. And there's these little hints that he kind of came from an upper middle class home at first. You also find out right. that he spent time in jail. <laughs> Right, and yeah. it takes a while to find out his backstory, and I really enjoyed that um, that way of making us care about this main character that we already know, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like I really like the slow build. I like um, I like the flashback element. I like using it again. I think that was lost inspired because I really enjoyed those getting the pieces and slowly forming them together to get a clearer picture of why people are who they are. I just think it's exciting as a reader to get that experience, and so I wanted to give that to the to my readers. So I've got a question. This yeah. this is probably the the one thing that weighed most on my mind through this. Um, uh-huh. We've talked in in other episodes on this podcast about uh, this idea of like a like a character's growth being earned, uh-huh. and and you know there's sometimes criticism of certain characters, like you know, is Harry Potter's is anything really earned or is it all just kind of given to him? And there was like, I had this question in the back of my mind as I was reading this, how much of this is earned and how much of this is, is just kind of laid in his lap. And, and sometimes it feels like, like criticism, right? Like Mm -hmm. this character didn't really do anything, but here it Mm -hmm. seems like maybe the most interesting point in the story is, is that like the fact that he is just good at everything, but and, like, that he doesn't cross, like being good. <laughs> yeah. His cross right, is yeah. that he doesn't, he doesn't really want anybody to know. And, and he really wants to, he's not a loner. He wants to have friends and he wants to have a girlfriend and, and just like him trying to work through that. I thought that was really interesting and, and pretty well done that, that this character could still remain interesting and complicated and have some weaknesses despite the fact that he just is so good at everything that he does. <laughs> yeah. He's not very good at basketball, I guess, but, uh, well, and also um, I was going to say real quick, uh, before you, yeah. you launch it, like when, uh, Al asked him to teach him, he's like, I don't know if I can teach you. <laughs> like I've, I've never taught anyone. I, I don't uh, see it. And he's not good. He's not good as a he's leader. Not a he's good not good teacher. as a teacher at first. Um, yeah. and it kind of takes, you know, that's a skill that doesn't come preternaturally to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's going to be Sammy's growth throughout the book and through the series is not, is he good, but it's like, it's like dealing with that. You know, and yeah. I think that there are, there, there are lots of stories like that. Like Superman, some of the most interesting Superman stories are not about him fighting a foe who's better at or stronger than him. It's really about, um, other types of issues. It's like dealing with personal issues or, or, um, the fallout of his actions. And so, you know, for me, it wasn't, I don't know why the story just kind of came that way to me, but it was just like, I didn't, I wasn't really concerned with him being the down on his luck guy. It was more like the dealing with the personal problems that he had because of what had happened to him before the story started. I think it's, and, uh, I th- that, that was just kind of the way it grew. I think it's really hard. I mean, I, I, 
assume that it would be really hard to create a character that's so good and yet sympathetic. And I mean, mm-hmm. like you mentioned Superman and I'm just not a huge Superman fan. It, largely yeah, in part it's, because it's of problem. that. Like I just, right. I, it's like, I basically know what's going to happen with Superman and I know Joe's like, seething over this but <laughs> how dare you no he just is he just isn't that interesting a character to me but sammy was uh despite mm-hmm. being so good at all the things that he did um he still remained like hugely sympathetic like I, I i'm rooting for him um in these other in these other areas i knew he would beat four 13s there's never a doubt and then he beats four and then he beats five and then he's like well i guess i'll stop there you know <laughs> but like but, you know, his relationship with Jeffy and working through things with Kobe and he's got this cool relationship with Brickert and it was just, I really liked yeah. him as a character, uh, despite him being so good, which I usually don't really yeah. like in characters. Well, I was going to say, uh, like a, a more recent version of this that seems to have a lot of those issues with the character, uh, kind of just being good at everything, but everyone still seems to like them is Ray from the new Star Wars. Uh-huh. Oh, Yeah. Uh, where like the only complaint that I've kind of seen is, you know, how does she actually do all this? <laughs> she knows how right, to pilot. Right. She knows right from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. She, she 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 faces off Kylo Ren right away with her mind powers. Right. Yeah, but yeah. she's really interesting, and you want to know more about her. And I think you holding back some of Sammy's past did a similar thing, where it's like you kind of like wait, there's hints that there's more here. I want to know why he is the way he is. I'm I'm glad you guys feel that way. Uh, I think one of the things that I was fortunate enough to figure out as I was writing the book was that uh, the Scion powers, I think, are pretty cool, but they're not so powerful that it makes them invulnerable. Um, And even Sammy is not invulnerable. I mean, we see him... Uh, we see him in very real peril, uh, throughout, you know, throughout parts of the book. And, and one of the things that I take very, very seriously, especially since I write YA, is that, um, I feel like a lot of times in YA and, and even more so in middle grade, and there's probably a good reason for that, but there is that oftentimes the characters don't ever really feel like you're never like quite sure they're in danger. Uh And, um, to me, like that's, that's, that's just not, I don't want to read that kind of writing. I want to read, I want to wonder if the characters are actually going to make it or not. And so I think to do that, you have to injure the characters. You have to kill some characters. Um, and, and those things have to happen in order for the readers to really wonder, you know, is this person, you know, is this person actually going to make it throughout, throughout the story? It's much more of a Neil Gaiman or Joss Whedon style of, yeah. <laughs> of writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have a question. I want to take the opportunity to have, you know, a creator, on here, I want the three of you to think in your minds the, like, for you, the most interesting top positive, like, quality or attribute, one word, quality or attribute of Sammy, and then also the most interesting or important negative attribute of Sammy. So I want to see what two readers hang on, get. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Give me, give me a second. I gotta yeah. think about this. But I want to, I want to see what two readers get <laughs> compared with the creator. On this character. Now, now Jacob, uh, he gets to cheat because he's written the other four books that we haven't read yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you want one word, Sammy's strongest characteristic. Like, and like his, most, and his... most important or interesting positive characteristic and most important or interesting negative characteristic. So it doesn't necessarily have to be his, you know, strongest thing. But what you take away from it and, you know, want to think about as his positive and what you take away and want to think about as his negative. Okay. All right, so 
I want to hear positive from Todd, then positive from Joseph, then Can positive you start from with Jacob. Joe? <laughs> okay. <laughs> po- wait, uh, we'll, we'll wait until you're ready, because we got to do this fast so no one's changing their answer. <laughs> well, I, now you've ruined my strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see why you want to switch the order. No, go ahead. I'm you ready. got it, Todd? Okay, yeah. so, so... Are you good, Jacob? Yeah, I think okay, so. I think so I'm still thinking of my negative. So, so we'll do positive. positive from Joe, then Todd, then Jacob. Okay. Uh, it's, I mean, the one word to kind of sum it up, I think it's belonging that he wants to fit in. Todd. Is it my, is it my turn? Yeah. I'm going to say fallibility. I, like, I, I love the fact that despite how great he is at everything, that he's still fallible. Okay. Jacob. I'm going to throw out humility. That was one I, with, yep. yeah, I have definitely I in the mix for me. Also. All right. Should we are do the same right? for negatives? Are you, are you ready for negatives? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so much would be solved if you just talk to people. <laughs> okay, Todd. I think that that what Joe just said that he's a liar. That his lack of trust. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to put it. Like his lies are to try and fit in. He doesn't trust everyone will accept him. Yeah, I mean there there are the lies that he tells the pe- the people, but but the lies stem from lack of trust, and it's what causes his problems in the games. Um. And and lack of trust in himself and trust in Jeffy that her feelings are, you know, something more. So I, I'd say lack of trust. Yeah, I have to say the same thing because I actually wrote that out as his main problem to overcome. <laughs> <laughs> so it was his lack of wow. trust. <laughs> well, well communicated, Jacob. So, <laughs> so, so well, that- like, it comes out really strong in the conversation with Feet, right? When Feet says, listen, pal, yeah. you've got to trust people. Yeah. And, and so, like, I don't know. I think he kind of went over it quickly. Like, when he's first made the honcho or the leader in the team exercises. His, his problem is that he sees what needs to be done, but he doesn't trust anyone else to do it. Uh, so, so he's, he's not a good leader in that he thinks he's the only one that could accomplish everything himself. And that leads his team to just lose, lose. I think they lose four in a row right at the start. Right. Yeah. Something like that. One one of the things that I liked, uh, well, that I, I, I liked that, like, it was a problem that he had from the start of the story, you know, where even in the beginning, in the games that he was playing against Feet, he still had the same problem. Right. He didn't, you know, even though he had he had known those kids for a while, he still didn't trust them either. It was it was an ongoing issue that he'd had for, for many, many months. I love the way that this story is structured in that it starts with this fight and ends with a fight. Mm-hmm. It starts with a fall and ends with a fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The stake, the thing that's changed is a the stakes are right. so different, and Sammy has right. changed. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's he's a really different character in that last fight, like you know, tooth and nail yeah. against these crazy thirteens, and saving, yeah. fighting to save Kobe, and willing to risk his life to save Kobe who's been injured. Um, but I thought those were really great kind of bookends. Glad you picked up on that. You're you're a pretty smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, uh, you might know Todd studies literature for a living. <laughs> oh, does do you? Okay, well that's good. Um, yeah. I was, I mean, it's similar. You mentioned the descent, but I was going to say this uh, fits pretty neatly into the hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell um, pattern. But when we've talked about the hero's journey in the past, um, sometimes we've had listeners who ask like, well, like, do they always complete the cycle? And I think this book is interesting because it is so much a chapter of a larger story. Like it ends mid cycle. Like it is the descent, the abyss, like literally he's in the abyss, <laughs> uh, at it. Like the, he's at this low point and, uh, he's gained a lot of the skills from, you know, traveling from the known world into the unknown world. He's gained all those skills, but he is at 
you know, the physical and emotional low point here at the end with the betrayal and literally being in this fallen hole in a bunker. And I'm assuming the next book will involve the ascent back up. So is this a, is this a trilogy or are there four? It's there's five. There's five. Okay. Yeah. So, um, without giving anything away, um, you know, I felt like Sammy's, as far as his emotional or his, his, uh, his character journey, I, I felt like there is plenty of closure as far as him overcoming his main obstacle, which is, you could kind of call this almost like a man versus self mm-hmm. story in, in some ways. And I, I felt like there was some closure in that regard, even if the entire tale was left, uh, unfinished, you know, I mean, very much unfinished. Like you said, like he is left, you know, in a, bad spot <laughs> so to speak yes, i mean i mean i don't know mildly. it is rio it, the carnival could be coming up it wouldn't be that bad i suppose yeah. fit right in just grab a mask <laughs> <laughs> uh, please tell me there's carnival in the in the next one um i don't even know when carnival is so <laughs> does carnival exist anyway. in the new world order um, I think, I think I do mention it in the second book. Okay. I, I can't remember. It's been a while. I just like when I'm talking to my students, a lot of times when I teach them the hero's journey and I'll say, sometimes a, an author will stretch out the hero's journey over the course of, and we'll just pick a number out of a hat, three stories. So you have, mm-hmm. um, you know, new hope, empire strikes back, return of the Jedi, and you have right. fellowship of the ring and you have the two towers and then you have return of the King and you have. Uh, Thor, and then you have a dark world, and then you have something else that's going to come next, right? Or Star Trek, yeah, yeah. Star Trek into darkness. It's like, <laughs> it just happens over and over and over again where you have yeah. the story that kind of sets things up, lots of kind of exposition, and you'll have some s- small character arc, and then that story ends on a, on a low point. And then mm-hmm. you have some big dark story, right? Batman, Batman begins, a dark night, dark night rises. Um, and right. so I, I thought, oh, this might work really well for a trilogy. But now that it goes five, I'm like, whoa, I don't know where this is going to go again. <laughs> and so that's great. One, one of the things that I like to focus on is like a new, I mean, now that Sammy's overcome his issues with trust, like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to explore different aspects of other problems that he may have in his uh, personality or at least other flaws that he has that become exposed throughout the series. So I tried, I think I tried to pick a different theme that Sammy has to deal with in each story. This one was trust. The second book will be something different uh-huh. and then so on. So that's just my, that's just the way I did it with yeah. this story. I mean, you, you could structure it differently for each, for a different series and stuff. And I, I think there's a great way to like what you described is to do that over a course of a trilogy or a series mm-hmm. is to have him overcoming one issue, but it worked better at least for this story to do it. Yeah. I think way. it's cool. Um, I'm hoping that in the future that we'll. So I, the, these flashbacks into his past, I think that they work well to, uh, to make him more, um, like relatable as a character and to help see the, some of these things that are going in, on inside of him that are really mm-hmm. huge problems. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to see like that side of him better, you know, like develop, yeah. developed more. Now yeah. that he's overcome his trust issues, like there's got, I feel like there's got to be more going on with his mom and his dad, and you know this past. Both so. plot-wise and emotionally for him. Yes, I, yeah. Um. So in future books, I, I don't want to, I won't spoil anything, but I think he's got he's got a few flashbacks left. But for the most part, uh, you'll start seeing flashbacks of other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in future books, Jeffy will have some flashbacks and you'll see her point of view. Obviously, since Sammy is not in Iceland right now, uh, if we, if, if in order to tell what's going on with the fallout, I had to, I had to open up the story to more points of view. Uh-huh. So you'll see Byron, uh, Byron's point of view, Jeffy's point of view, and then the, the big bad of the series will be introduced in the second book. Okay. Uh, so, um, you'll start throughout the books, you'll see more and more flashbacks from other characters, but it, you'll, you'll still continue to explore. Somebody just fell out of their chair. Todd, <laughs> do you want to know what happened? <laughs> was it your this cat? This is amazing. My candle just exploded. What? <laughs> so, so Jacob, our, our listeners are familiar by now that Todd likes to podcast by candlelight every night. <laughs> uh, but Todd, how did it? How, totally just exploded. What you, can you define explode? <laughs> oh my gosh! Was, was it dynamite or TNT? No, it's um. Hang on. I gotta take a picture of this. Please, will there be enough light? Yes, there is. Okay. Like, did the glass break? Did it overheat and break or something? Yes. It's a bad. So, that's it's an, a bad candle that's holder. Uncanny. So, you are cursed. What? You are cursed. So I got two. I've got two of these like small IKEA candles, and it burned all the way, all the way, all the way down, and then it just like it split right down the middle, like like a, like it was cursed, <laughs> <laughs> and it just like it blew like, like it blew up. Like it was like it was struck by lightning or something, and now I've got all these shards of glass all over my desk. Uh. <laughs> but I've still got a candle burning, so you- <laughs> that was amazing. You might want to put that out. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I put out the one. Okay. I put out the one. Now I've got the the other one's okay. It's not going to blow up. Okay. <laughs> so I hope I don't step on any glass. Yeah, tread carefully. Can, can you yeah. carry on? Can you? He powers yes, I'm through. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? One blow, uh, one exploding candle is not enough to stop to stop me from podcasting. If you had five, then you might say <laughs> that's the limit. Yeah. No, nobody's had four right. candles blow up on their desk. Real quick, <laughs> producer Andrew, are we keeping any of that in? Where are we making? Yeah, it? some some of that's going to be in there. Uh, I don't know how much. Right. I don't remember where we were before the candle exploded. Oh, we're talking about flashbacks. Oh, right, right. Okay, so you're saying in here, Brad, is there any smooth transition possible? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, well, just go so, back to flashbacks. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I, the, the story eventually, I think in the second book and on, it reached, reached a point where it was time to explore other characters and um, open it up to, to those. You know, I, I kind of, one of the things I really liked about Harry Potter was that when in book four, she starts using those dreams to kind of look into Lord Voldemort's point of view. It was kind of a gimmick at first, and then eventually she just kind of throws caution to the wind in book five, and she's like, "Okay, here's Snape's point of view, here's Voldemort's point of view. Screw the dream thing. We're just gonna go. We're gonna go for it." And so, um, you know, you, you're, if your story continues to grow and expand, eventually you have to start looking at other points of view. You can't just stick with Sammy, you know. Well, I, I mean, just structurally, that uh, it kind of mirrors uh, Star Wars, where each film starts splitting the storylines more in the end. Uh-huh. Uh, right. Where right. the first one's yeah. just got the Death Star run. And then the second one has Luke fighting Darth Vader and uh, Princess Leia and the others trying to escape. And then the third one right. has Luke and Darth Vader and or, and the people trying to blow up the Death Star. Yeah. And then Lord it, it the, even went Lord into the, the uh, does that really well too. <laughs> even uh, the Phantom Menace ended up with four, four going on, but I don't think they carried it on after that to five and six with, episodes well, oddly with episodes two and three <laughs> but but up through the first four that were made episodes four five six and one uh they kept splitting hoping, and adding points of view to it i'm hoping in episode eight we get a nice viewpoint from princess leia's dentures yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta split that far yeah 
but soon there'll be nine points of view going on. <laughs> wow. Uh, are there any other characters, Joe, that stood out to you? Um, I, I liked, uh, is it Prickert? I want to say, uh, huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like that friendship, uh, that felt, uh, I mean, we didn't spend a whole lot of time with it, but whenever we were there, it felt like, yeah, these are two guys that are good friends. Okay. I've, I've got a question. Cause I feel like Brickert was mentioned as he got to the school and then he didn't come up much in the summary, right? No, I mean, he doesn't have any major plot points for himself, but. He is Sammy's like confidant. Whenever so they they both have girl troubles because they're teenage boys, right? And right. those girl troubles just that, those ring true <laughs> 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 uh, to to that age. Uh, and the I, conversations I the between Brickard. them was just a lot of fun. The the like, well, what do you think? I don't know. I don't understand girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brickard is like the youngest of like how many how many sisters does he have? Like seven. Yeah, he's a family of ten, I think. Yeah, that, nine sisters, <laughs> and even he doesn't understand. Girls. He just says, "He says girls are stupid." Like over and over again, and he's always in love with older women. Like he's twelve, he's, and he's, he's always in love with the, the sixteen-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. not just in love with the ones that are in his group that are a little older. He's in love with the ones that have been there for years. <laughs> <laughs> but he keeps moving on very quickly from one to the next. <laughs> Which we all have yeah, that he's friend. Great. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, Bricker's a good guy. Uh, and I did love, uh, I, I think it's, is it right after uh, Sammy gets his hug and the promise of a kiss of the future, he just thinks, you're wrong. Girls aren't stupid. <laughs> that's, that's big insight games right there. <laughs> I really liked, I really liked the relationship with Jeffy. And even like I, I went to my wife last night and I said, I'm reading this book and I'm just reading about this kind of young, like teenage love. And it makes me just happy. And like, I want to, you know, like feel that forever. Mm-hmm. That kind of, it felt really, it felt real to me that, and, and exciting. And that when you're, oh, I know what I told her. I said, it talks about when they just stay up late talking to each other. And wouldn't that be so cool if we didn't have any kids <laughs> and we could just, <laughs> we could stay awake. Actually, we could just physically stay awake. Stay awake. <laughs> we did that one time a couple of months ago where we were just, it was like when we were dating and we just, we were so excited and we were talking about stuff until way, way late in the night. And then we totally paid for it the next day. <laughs> yeah. Because those yep. kids do not sleep in. No, no, no. But it, but it was cool. I, I really liked the relationship with her and the way that their their friendship. It wasn't. It wasn't like I hate you. Now I love you, and we're like kissy huggy and interdigitating. It was more. <laughs> it was more like uh, cautious and kind of a slow burn. Well, it, and it I felt like that. it felt true to that kind of high school love, which mm-hmm. is so palpable and real at that stage. But it's not what like mature marriage love feels like. But it's so right. it's it's very those those emotions are valid at that point. And I think yeah. you described the way that a teenager does in fact feel. And you know the he's constantly thinking about her, but he doesn't want to. But he wonders if she's thinking about it. like all of those. Like I remember those stages of adolescent relationships. Yeah, I I tried to capture those things. Um, I, I didn't want the book to be like so many YAs are where it's like a love triangle, but at the same time, I'm aware that it helps, um, female readers to <laughs> have a greater interest in the story, you know, and I, and I want to, I want to make books that appeal sure. to a broader audience. 
So it, what surprised me was that I would get people who would write me and they would just be like, Oh, I hope Jeffy dies. <laughs> and I'm just like, why? Jeffy's great. It's like, yeah. And it was mostly females. Mostly females would be like, Oh, I don't like Jeffy. And I'm really? just like, wow. I mean, to me, like, to me, like Jeffy is like a great, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I think she's a great female character in that she's not like, she's not like just, um, uh, she's, you know, she's not wishy-washy. She's, I think she's a pretty strong character. She knows what she wants and that's what she does. You know, she's not like torn between two guys. She likes Kobe and then she doesn't cause he pisses her off, you know? <laughs> and so, um, I wasn't interested in doing like a team Sammy, team Kobe kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, that didn't, that didn't interest me at all. <laughs> I do gotta say, I'm a little worried for her cause she randomly got sick and it was never explained. That's never a good sign for the future health. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> It wasn't like it wasn't chlamydia or anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that is not that's not what I was trying to with that. Oh, she wasn't pregnant yeah. either. But no, no, I just mean like for the for the long term health of a character, uh in a in a long running oh, series, when one of them suddenly oh, is like oh. getting violently ill and no explanation gotcha. is offered. It's like oh, the there's fault some... in our stars kind of a thing. Yeah. I see where you're going with this. You're going a little G rated. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well they're not allowed Sources. to get chlamydia in that school. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> I don't um, think that's passed yeah. around by interdigitating. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I I noticed Todd that you when you pointed out the whole like the very specific Byron's stance on uh-huh. you know sexual relationships in the school, and I think probably one of the reasons why I did that was because you know after working, I, I've been working in like uh, populations the last several years where you see kids who are getting pregnant at age like. 13 and uh-huh. 14. I kind of just wanted to take all that off the table. You know, I didn't want the book to be about that kind of stuff. It was, uh, and I just, you know, it just didn't interest me to like have those issues. And so I kind of felt like you say this and it's over with, and, and I just didn't want to, to, to go yeah. there. Um, but it, but it is, it is funny now looking back when you, when you say that, how, <laughs> how even now in YA, you know, those are pretty open topics for, for, uh, for, but I think by, by taking that off the table, it made, like the, the crush level that we do get, like that was the high stakes. Yeah. Crush right. that, you know, yeah. getting the, he wants to get back for a kiss because that's all he can get it's really. Not as, it's not as but but that's the get. highest stakes <laughs> that he can play with at this point. Yeah. And so it made yeah. what, uh, maybe in, in other series would feel like kind of low stakes. It, it raised them to like the point of significance. Yeah. And I know that that, that there are, there are, you know, more physical, intimate relationships, intense physical intimate relationships that happen in high school. But I Mm -hmm. would be shocked if that were the norm for everybody. I was reading a study just recently about, about college students and like the rates of sexual activity for even college students are like incredibly low. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if you watch any TV show about college students, you would think high school students, (laughs) right? I I mean, this is what uh, the point is. If it's low, if it's far lower than expected for college students, then it's going to be abysmally low for high school students in general. So I don't think yeah, it was, yeah. I don't think it was weird to say, you know what, like m- most high school kids, they're, they're like super excited if they get to hold hands and kiss, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Todd, are you telling us that? Our entertainment is not a perfect reflection of reality. I am actually, as a matter of Shocking. fact, uh, yeah, one may, one may be surprised to find out that uh, it's actually not a, per, a direct one-to-one relationship between television and film and real life. Mind yeah. blown. 
<laughs> I know. Shocking. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm getting the uh, signal from our producer that we're going to be wrapping up soon. So any final thoughts, Todd? No, I just... Soon. You got five minutes. Okay. I'm I'm really happy that I got to read this. Um, it's not... It's... You know, there's some books are like incredibly deep and dense and, and I feel like it's a chore <laughs> to kind of pick them up and, and deal with them. And when I picked this book up, I thought, wow, this is a long book and I have one week to read it. And, you know, here we go. And it was just, it was not a chore at all. It was really fun. Um, and which isn't to say that there's not, you know, interesting things and thought provoking things in here it was just, a, right. it was just a lot of fun and, and I, I liked it and the, the action mm-hmm. was good. I felt like it was, um, it was pretty easy to tell what was going on. Sometimes when you're reading really complex action scenes like this, it can be really confusing and disorienting. And right. I felt like I could, you know, I could picture what was going on, uh, throughout and I, I, it was really good. And the ending was like such a surprise. And such a great setup for what comes next that I'm really interested in reading more. So, yeah. Uh, since we do have a couple of minutes, Jacob, uh, what was the writing process like for this? Like, how how long did it take you to get your first book, like to the point where you're ready for it to be your first book? Um, so I wrote this in 2006, and I published it in 2010. So, and and I and I wrote um, two more books in the series before I went back and started rewriting it and um, just to get my feet wet with more experience, you know, writing a full novel length story um, because I wanted it to, I didn't want to like, I would, I didn't want to like just focus on that and then not have, you know, the experience of writing more stories. I think, so I think by the time I'd, I'd self published it, I'd written three and a half books. Um, and for me, it was just all about going back and making sure that, uh, um, the pros, especially because, you know, when I was in, when I was at BYU, I submitted this book as my, um, final project to Brandon Sanderson (laughs) and, uh, he gave it a C, a C or C (laughs) minus. And he told me, he's like, you know, after reading your other stuff, I'm really surprised this was so poorly written. (laughs) And it was like, it was like getting stuck in the stomach with frozen tears. (laughs) (laughs) Many listeners are unaware. Brandon Sanderson is a very published author. <laughs> yes, prolifically, yes. prolifically so, published. So that set me back. That happened in 2007. That set me back for three years before I finally felt like, okay, this is ready to, to go. And so, um, for me, it was all about making sure the uh, the writing was was what was good enough that I didn't want to embarrass myself. So, or, I just, just a quick question though, like you, you yeah. that made you pause, obviously. But oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Was he right? And did you, like, did it spur oh, yeah. you on to do what you needed to do to it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very grateful for the feedback I got because, you know, he was very complimentary of the stuff I've been working on in his class in a different book. And then to have him say this, I was like, oh gosh, I'm not, I'm not where I think I am. And so that, that, so I edited it for three more years before I ever self-published it. Wow. I think that's an important lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I, I like Todd. I really, really enjoyed. It. I've already ordered the next one because I need to know how he gets back to Iceland. <laughs> He's got to get that All kiss. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's 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 a very entertaining book, and it does leave you wanting more. So I think you, you know, whatever the state was <laughs> in 2007, those three years of revisions uh, have left you with a, a product that I think you'd be proud of to have your name on it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, 
I want to ask one creator question before we really wrap up. And that is for the show in general, you know, the protagonist is what we talk about. Mm-hmm. What makes a good protagonist in, in your mind? Like, what are you going for when you write a protagonist? Um, I think it's boils down to someone who you're looking forward to seeing what they're going to do next. Um, whether it's a bad guy or a good guy that you're following throughout most of the story, whether they're super talented or super, um, nobody, um, it just matters that you care about what their next, uh, choice is or what their next action is. And so if you can manage to do that, then, uh, I think, I think you've made yourself a good character. All right. That's a good answer. I just remembered. We traditionally ask our guests. I'm so glad that you remembered because I was just thinking of that. Yes. Uh, the, the dinner table (laughs) question or or the dinner party question. If you could invite any, how many do we need? Three Three. to five. Three to five fictional characters. Three usually. This is what we do before I guess. Three fictional characters that you could have at a dinner party. Who would you want to sit around you for a good discussion, Jacob? (laughs) Uh, Frodo, Ender, um, Dumbledore, uh, Edmund Dantes <laughs> and um, uh, Bruce Wayne. Do you, do you think, do you, you've got three vengeful plotters in there. <laughs> I was going to say, but, well, do you think uh, Dumbledore and Frodo, or, or uh, Dumbledore and uh, uh, and Frodo, would feel like they know each other already? <laughs> A lot of ways. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, each of my books, uh, will mention like a classical, no- a uh-huh. classic novel, because I think it's so important to like that kids read those books. It's, you know, this book was, was Count of Monte Cristo. I don't remember what the next one is, but it's, you know, each book will feature like a book that Sammy reads at some point that, that, that I hope that kids will discover because yeah. those are the books that shaped me and shaped the way I think, you know, The Hobbit, uh, Count of Monte Cristo, Tale of Two Cities. Those are the books that kids. I hope that they are, you know, they're getting into before they hit college. I, I 100% support uh, Count of Monte Cristo. I think that one's I on love, our list to get to. I love that book <laughs> as far as protagonists go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jacob. Any final thoughts, Todd? Oh, I'm good. Jacob, where could listeners uh, find out more about you? Uh, if they go to my website, jacobgowans.com, I have a, a bio and they can contact me there and find out about the stuff that I'm working on. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you, Jacob, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. And listeners, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in iTunes and leave us a review. It helps with our listenership and our feelings of self-worth. And links to the <laughs> things that we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com. And you can also find a list of all of our previous shows. And you can su- suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. And we're all also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod, at Todd K. Mack, at Jay Dorowski, and our producer Andrew is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Jacob, do you have any social media you want to promote real quick? Yeah, they can go to, I, I'm on Twitter at Jacob Gowans. I have a Facebook author page. Uh, those are my two major forms okay. of social media. Uh, we have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash protagonist podcast. And that's where a lot of the discussion helps or a lot of the discussion takes place uh, about the each episode that we post. And if you like the show and would like to support us financially, there are a few ways that you can do that. You could buy a topic for us to discuss uh, by going to uh, the support link on our homepage or patreon.com slash protagonist. And don't forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. How did you... <laughs>
Today we are talking about Samuel Sammy Harris. Uh, how do you say this last name, <laughs> Jacob? I just realized I don't know how to say that one. Uh, it's Brain. Brain. Okay, let me just 